Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. First service, I said, Merry Christmas, everybody. Nothing. <laughs> like, are you guys awake this morning at all? Uh, I would encourage uh, any of you, uh, go ahead and attend first service every once in a while. No, I'm, not, I'm not like trying to knock them down totally, but they could use a little more life. So <laughs> Merry Christmas. Isn't it great to hear Merry Christmas back? Sometimes you say Merry Christmas and you don't know what you're going to get back sometimes, like Happy Holidays or Christmas. Don't say, you know, it's like whatever. Anybody remember 1998 NSYNC, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays? They just covered it all in one song there. So we think about Merry Christmas and uh, all of the things and trappings and all of that that go along with the Christmas season. But can you remember a time for you when Christmas wasn't so merry? Was there ever a year for you, maybe when you were looking forward as a kid to getting that gift, you begged your parents all year long, and yet Christmas morning came and you still did not get that gift and it was not a Merry Christmas for you. Maybe for some it was like last year and you're still bitter about it because you are resenting the fact that your family does not know you better. <laughs> they did not get you the gift that you wanted, right? And so we have these uh, moments in life or these things we can look back on and think that's not a Merry Christmas. Maybe some of us, uh, Christmas is just a reminder of a loss that we faced in life and uh, the holiday season in general and all the family get-togethers and all of that is really just a, a reminder of some troubling things that have happened or that we've experienced in our lives. And so I want to talk this morning for a minute uh, about the idea that the first Christmas was not a merry Christmas for Mary. When we think about that Christmas uh, for Mary, uh, in the very beginning, that first Christmas, it was probably not very merry. We think about all the things uh, that we experience now in the Christmas services and the, the kids' performances that we all experienced maybe last week if we were here and, and the, the lights and the gifts and the trees and, and all of the beautiful things that we have now. And we are highly aware in our culture, even if we are uh, not maybe those who would consider ourselves to be followers of Christ or maybe somebody here in this room, you're just here because you're with a family member and, and you're not even sure where you stand with God right now and you're own relationship, but no doubt we know because it's on every Christmas card and, and every banner and all around us that Jesus is the reason for the season. And we, we know what Christmas is, is all about and, and how it started, but that very first Christmas was probably not so merry for Mary and those around her and certainly Joseph as well. It was like a wrecking ball that completely came and overtook their world for a moment. And in a moment when an angel appeared to Mary and said, you are going to become pregnant, she's thinking, how in the world does that happen? I've never been with a man. And what will my fiance Joseph say to me? And then an angel appears to Joseph and says, your uh, bride-to-be is going to become pregnant with child. And he's thinking the same thing. And, and they both get this confirmation in a moment that it is God and it is his miraculous work. And yet no one else around them was getting that message. No one else around them was fully convinced that what this young couple were believing to be that would be was actually going to happen. And so I imagine that in a moment, their whole life changed and they probably felt a lot of feelings. As I was thinking about what they must have went through, not just in that moment, but in uh, the future months and even years to come, they probably felt a lot of fear. 
They probably felt a lot of fear about what was ahead for them and what will this look like and how will people respond. They probably felt like uh, they had lost some friendship. Maybe they felt loss in their life. They probably felt some failure even in their, their uh, own selves. Like, I'm questioning, am I, am I really hearing from God here? Like, am I really on the right path here? Because all these people that are close to me seem to be like questioning me. And, and are you really sure about this? And, and are you just trying to like lie to cover up, you know, what you did? <laughs> you know, like what's going on here, right? They probably felt uh, in many ways uh, like they were just not able to make it. Those depressive feelings that kind of come over us at times. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know if I can make it through this. There were probably days where they felt like, I'm not sure I want to get out of bed and face another conversation, face another person, face another reality that my reality is totally weird to everybody else. Maybe they felt some betrayal from those who were close to them and friendships where they, they thought that they could trust somebody else, but really that person ended up turning their back on them when things got difficult, when times got hard for them in that moment. Maybe those same people abandoned them and they had to deal with the feelings of knowing that, that maybe they would never be able to have another conversation, another, another quality moment with these people that were once connected to them that maybe now have, have left them in a place where they feel abandoned and now they're probably looking at themselves, eating dinner alone one night, Mary and Joseph thinking we're, we're just alone. You know, are we alone in this? And, and I know that the angel came and I, I know that God is with us and all of that, but we're just sitting here alone now and had to feel all of the things that came along with that moment. I think if we were to sum up all these feelings, it looked a lot like pain for them in this moment. It looked a lot like pain. And when we think about our own lives, and the daily frustrations and tensions and the things in life that have come our way that maybe have radically changed our lives forever, when we think about all of these, these fears and these anxieties and the feelings of, of depression and uncertainty about the future and the wondering and just the lack of understanding of what is going on here as a result of the pain in my life. In this moment, that we call Christmas when Jesus was born. He was being born as hope for the world that had never been experienced before. It was a moment where Jesus was born into the middle of our pain through the pain of a couple, Mary and Joseph. It was through their pain that salvation was born. It was through a painful circumstance. It was through a painful betrayal of those who were maybe close to them. It was through their pain that salvation actually came. And so on that very night when salvation was born, when redemption was born, when hope for the world was born and his name was called Jesus, there was in that same town, Luke chapter two reads to us, that same night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. In the middle of your pain, in the middle of the circumstances of life around you, where this world that they were living in had never experienced true hope. 
They had never experienced in reality the possibility that there could be an answer for the overwhelming fear that they often felt in their lives. There had never been to this point the opportunity and possibility and illumination of something that could actually be good in the midst of my depression, in the midst of my anxiety, in the midst of my uncertainty, in the midst of my anger, in the midst of my rage, in the midst of my rejection, in the midst of my loneliness. To this point, when Jesus was born, there had never been hope or a solution for the problem. And so when the angels show up on the scene to the most ordinary of all ordinary people, lonely shepherds, lowly shepherds, he showed up to them and he said, I'm bringing you something that you've never experienced before. And it's not just for you, but it's going to be for everyone. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people then all people ahead of them, all people now. From this point forward, we're splitting the calendar. We're splitting life as we know it because now good news is possible even in the midst of the world of our pain, even in the midst of a world of our weakness, even in the midst of a world of our struggle. He said the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the one who will save you from what you are experiencing, the one who will change everything. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. That was so significant that he was lying in a manger because can you imagine if this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, as we know him now, would have been born into a palace and three lowly shepherds showed up at the palace gates and said, hey, we heard there was a baby born. He's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to be the most famous person that ever lived. Can we see him? What would have happened? Not a chance. But in this moment, on this day, suddenly he stepped into the midst of our pain and he said, I'm going to be accessible for all. I'm going to make myself relevant and available and accessible to everyone and this will be good news this will be news of great joy and suddenly there was an angel that showed up with a multitude of heavenly hosts and they said glory to God in the highest glory to God we have something to praise our father for that we did not have praise yesterday we did not know how to get there we knew of the idea of God we knew that there was a God who loved us but we have not been able to get this thing right we have not been able to escape our own plight I did not mean to rhyme right there but I did <laughs> and suddenly there was a host of, of a heavenly multitude and he's saying glory to glory Glory to God in the highest and on earth, the goodwill toward men. There had never been in existence before this time goodwill toward men. And yet God in this moment, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of a messed up world, the messed up story of Christmas is he shows up with good news and goodwill to you and to me. It's good news. When we think about the pain and the struggle of life and we kind of progress on this journey. Jesus changed everything and he offered an opportunity for us to no longer see our pain as only what we could see in front of us. See, Mary and Joseph, they, they saw what was in front of them and they could see what it looked like to everyone else. And no doubt there were people in their lives that treated them that way as exactly what it looked like. They probably 
stacked shame on them. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You became pregnant. You're not even married. And then more shame on Joseph. You stayed with this woman who you say you didn't get her pregnant, but somebody else did, and you're still going to stay with her? What kind of Jerry Springer episode is this? (laughs) But they chose to believe that there was something bigger at play. They chose to believe that there was something going on that they could not see in the flesh, but they could see through the eyes of something beyond them. And so from this point forward, those who followed Christ were able to see things that other people could not see. When is the last time that we have been able to get beyond the circumstances that we see in our own lives and be able to see beyond what we can see? Has it been a while since you've been able to get out of the mindset of all of the struggle and the trials in front of you to see that maybe, just maybe, there's a glimmer of hope and goodwill toward you even in the midst of your painful hurting, your painful struggling, your painful striving. Paul was able to write about this as he was training the first-time followers of the way of Jesus. As he was training those and teaching those and encouraging those who would follow this one who was born in split time itself to bring about good and goodwill in our lives, he was teaching them. And in every single book that Paul writes, you can find a passage, you can find a, a section in there, you can find several paragraphs of the letter that he was writing to the churches and the people that he was leading. And they always address this issue because it's the issue of humanity. See, the fear and the anxiety and the depression and the uncertainty, all of those things were not specific to Mary and her not Merry Christmas. That's a human problem. This is what we deal with on a daily basis, these issues of life. And so Paul is writing to those he's leading, and we see this in Romans chapter 8. It says, and the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness, helps us in our pain. When we look at that word weakness, here's what it means. This is cool. In want of strength and understanding. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're in want of some strength and some understanding with what you're trying to deal with? In want of strength and understanding in the midst of troubles. And so it looks like this, and the Spirit of God helps us in our want of strength and understanding in the midst of trials and trouble, in the midst of of our daily struggles, in the midst of the bad doctor's report, in the midst of the bad news, in the midst of the worst text message I've ever received, in the midst of what happened to me in my past that I just can't seem to shake off, in the midst of all of my lack of strength and understanding in the trials and troubles of my life, that is where God helps us. That is where he shows up, right in the middle of that. He said, just, just to give you one example here, you know all what it feels like to not even have words to say. We don't even know what God wants us to pray for, but the Spirit comes in our behalf to bring us good news and goodwill, and he speaks the words that we need to express. 
without even using them. And the Father, he knows our hearts. He knows us from the inside out, in other words. He knows not just our struggle on the outside and the circumstances that we face and the things we can point to that are not right and are not good and are not merry. He knows us from the inside out. And he says, the Father who knows our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, and he will plead for us, for all believers in harmony with God's own will. This is just one example he's giving us, right? And here's how it works, and we've seen this scripture many, many times in many, many contexts, but maybe we've never connected the dots that this next verse that is so common in our culture, even outside of Christian circles, it's so common that most people have heard it. When I say Romans 8:28, some of you would be able to rattle this off your tongue. But let's look at the context. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. You mean it's in the midst of God showing up in my weakness that he works all things for good? It's when he shows up in my pain. It's when he shows up in my struggle. It's when he shows up in my circumstance that I can't even see my own way out of. It's not just so I can hit a home run when I'm up to bat in Little League. It's not, it's not just so I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not just he's going to make everything good. It's in the midst of my pain. It's in the midst of my struggle. We know that through our pain, he works all things for the good of those who walk with him. Through our struggle, through our conflict, what is that conflict? Sometimes the conflict, sometimes the struggle, sometimes the pain is a moment in time that we can go back and we think, I never moved forward from that moment. This thing was so significant, this loss, this abuse, this situation, this thing that wounded me for the rest of my life. I can go back immediately right now and I can see in my mind where my life was never the same again. For others, the pain of our life or the daily frustrations, every time we read a headline, a news article, every time someone else talks about another vaccine and take it or don't take it, I just get triggered. And it's that moment of my pain and my trial and my struggle and my weakness. It's every time that I'm disappointed because my expectations in my spouse were not met or my expectations in life in the way that others would treat me or respond to me or I wasn't heard the way that I wanted to be heard. And now there's tension here because now somebody's upset with me because I said something, but I didn't mean to say it like that. And they took it to different way and it's all the things in life in the middle of all of those pains and those frustrations and those wonderings and how will I make decisions and what will my future hold in that moment we know that it's in the middle of our pain that God works all things for the good of those who walk with him when we walk with Jesus our path is straight when we walk with Jesus, even when we take steps that kind of make the line and make the path a little bit crooked, Proverbs says that he makes the path straight. He is the one who shines a light in the darkness. He is the one who is the light of life. He is the one who makes our path able to follow. He continues verse 31. So what shall we say about such wonderful things? This life is, is full of some messed up stuff. My life is full of some messed up stuff. So what shall we say about these things? Well, we have a different story now because Jesus came to bring good news and goodwill to all men. 
We have a different story now. So what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, if he showed up for us, if he split time for us, who can be against us? What circumstance can ever take me out? What situation can ever take me down to the point that I can't get right back up with his power and his strength? Who can ever be against us? Can anything, is there anything that exists? Is there anything that can happen to us that could ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles and calamity and are persecuted or hungry, destitute, in danger, or threatened with death? No, he says. If that list wasn't exhaustive enough, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that if all the things that I've already said didn't apply to you, neither death, neither life, neither angels or demons, all the things that we can see and can't see, neither are fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe, maybe just maybe, the pain that we see in our lives the pain that we deal with on the daily, the pain that we see that comes into our lives leaves us with a lack of understanding, a lack of knowing what to do. Maybe if we could come to a place of awareness of our pain, maybe an awareness of the reality of our pain will lead us to the salvation, the redemption, the wholeness, and the freedom that we're looking for. An awareness of the reality of our pain that leads us to the salvation, redemption, wholeness, and freedom. What if it was our pain that was actually trying to bring us deliverance? What if it was the pain of a virgin that no one believed, that was born into the middle of a mess and showed up in a manger accessible to even the lowest of low? What if it was in the middle of that painful situation that redemption and salvation was born? What if it was in the middle of a struggle, middle of a complicated situation that God was really revealing to himself good in our lives? What if it was in the middle of that pain that God was working and that God is working all things for the good of those who walk with him? So I have to ask myself, what am I doing with my pain? Because if pain is not a bad thing in itself, if pain is the thing that can actually lead me to redemption, then what am I doing with my pain? Because you know what our culture is really good at? Our culture is really, 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 really great at escaping our pain. There's a pill for that. There's a drug for that. There's a high for that. There's a shot for that. There's a temporary high for that. Just go ahead and escape your pain. Leave your pain behind. Take the extra strength Tylenol. It lasts longer so you don't feel the pain. What if it's the pain in our lives that God is trying to use to bring about redemption and salvation, wholeness and freedom in our lives? What if the pain that we're currently numbing, ignoring, or resisting is the very thing that God is trying to use to bring us closer to him and his love and his power. 
What if we're currently numbing it by consuming ourselves with the problems of this world and pointing our fingers at everyone else? That's maybe the primary numbing agent of most Christians, including me, and especially me, because I'm a pastor. Part of my job is dealing with everybody else's stuff, sometimes at the expense of ignoring my own. Sometimes I can get lost in caring for everyone else and their issues and helping them talk through it and helping them experience it that I become numb to my own. Maybe it's more obvious than that. And there's an addiction in our life and we continually go to that addiction just to numb the pain for a moment. As I work with teenagers, sometimes it's a, it's a physical pain that they even inflict on themselves just to stop feeling the internal pain for a moment. Are we numbing our pain? What am I doing with my pain? What am I doing with the pain that's trying to lead me to salvation? Am I numbing it? Am I ignoring it? Am I just pretending that it's not there? Am I just the the tough guy that never cries and can handle everything? I I just ignore it. I just pretend. I just put on the show for everybody else. I live in a constant state of image management so that I can ignore what's really going on on the inside. And can I just tell you from personal experience, it's the inside me that nobody can see that ultimately leads to the outside me that everybody can see. Have you ever come across somebody, somebody that maybe you were even close to, and it just seems like all of a sudden one day their entire life blew up? I don't know what happened to him. He just lost it. I thought their marriage was fine, and then all of a sudden it's the text that reads, I'm leaving. I thought mom and dad were fine, and now all of a sudden they're telling me they love me, but they don't love each other anymore. I thought things were okay. The inside of us, the things that we are often ignoring, will always lead to the outside us that everybody can see. What am I doing with my pain? Am I ignoring it? Am I just flat out resisting it? Maybe I'm just not willing to do what is required to go through the pain. We often look and we think if, if I only had a better job, things would be okay. If I, if I only had a better spouse, then things would be all right. If my kids would just start behaving just like once a day, things would be all right. I heard somebody say one time, if the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to water your own lawn. Maybe we're just resisting and we're not willing to do the work of watering our own lawn. We're not willing to do the work of building our own marriage, building our own family, building our own internal peace and strength with God. Maybe we're just not willing to do it and so we resist that pain, but it's the pain that could actually lead us to our strength, to our wholeness, to our freedom. See, pain in itself is not bad, although our culture tells us it is. Protect your kids from the pain. Put the helmet on them before they walk to the mailbox. Make sure you have the right car seat, and the car seat is installed properly at every single age and stage of their life. You get a new car seat because after one year it expires, and you have to get another one, and they're a different size. And for all of you parents, you know the greatest pain that you can ever experience is actually putting one of those car seats in. 
We're trying to protect ourselves from all the pains of life. But maybe, maybe the goal is not to escape the pain, but maybe the goal is to embrace the pain. Maybe it's to embrace the fact that we are human. We are messed up. We are flawed. We are hurting. We are discouraged. We have no way out. We have no hope. We have no existence. We have no opportunity for real life apart from acknowledging our pain. Adam and Eve did a really good job of sidestepping their own pain. As soon as they stepped outside of the relationship and the wholeness that they were experiencing with God himself as they walked and talked with him in the garden and they took a step away from that and said, we're going to just try it on our own. We're going to try to do this our own way. They stepped outside and immediately they felt the shame of their decision. Immediately they felt the weight of knowing they were not in right relationship anymore. And what did they do? They hid. They numbed their pain by covering themselves with clothes. They sewed for themselves clothing, and then they went and hid from God himself. The Pharisees in Scripture, who were the elite of the elite religious people, they missed Jesus himself and put the very thing that would have brought them their own redemption, their own freedom, and their own salvation. They were the ones who executed the very one who would have brought them what they were looking for because they were unwilling to embrace their own pain. They said, we're good. We have this covered. We know how to do this on on our own. We're good. And they missed Jesus. They put to death what was standing right in front of them that would have brought them life. What are we doing with our pain? We can allow our pain to lead us into the pit where we ignore it, numb it, and resist it. And the only thing left to do is to do it all over again. And we continue numbing it, ignoring it, and resisting it. Numbing it, ignoring, and resisting it. And we never deal with and embrace the pain in our life, but that pain could lead to our problem. We are broken people. We are broken humanity. There is no way out. No one is coming to save you. Except... For Christ, who was born to you on this day, full of good news and goodwill to all men. Our salvation through our pain. I told you that Paul addresses this in every book that he writes. In 2 Corinthians, we see it like this. He said, I, if I wanted to boast, I could. And the verses previous to this, Paul is just kind of going on about a, with a whole list, a whole rant of all the amazing things that he has experienced in his relationship with God. All the good times that he's had, all the great revelations that he's had from God himself. He said, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. I've got some true stories that are pretty amazing, but I won't do that. I'm not going to use my influence with you to talk to you about my mountaintop experiences I'm not going to pretend that I'm something I'm not. I want to remind you where my real strength comes from. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there because I don't want anybody to give me credit. I don't want it to just look like I have it all together on my own. I want them to see what is real in my own life and hear it through the words that I speak. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God and have all of these true, great, amazing, amazing stories, I'm going to tell you about one story for this moment, and here's my story. I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what the thorn was, 
But it was significant for him because he said three times, I asked God to take it away. This thorn was like a messenger from Satan meant to torment me. Have you ever said that about your local neighborhood Democrat? Or Republican? Or family member? Or spouse in the middle of an argument? Or kids the minute they wake up in the morning? I was given this thorn in my flesh like a messenger from Satan sent to torment me. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. How often do we get lost in our own prayers where we put more faith in our faith instead of faith in God? We put faith in our faith that God is going to magically change our circumstance. He's going to just reach in and he's going to pull that thorn out and he's going to be be healed and we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed the rest of our lives. That wasn't Paul's experience. And it wasn't what he was encouraging us because he knew what we were actually going to be facing in this life. And he didn't want us to see what was in front of us. He wanted to see what was beyond us. Three times I begged and I prayed for the Lord to take it away. And here's what he said to me. My grace, Paul, my grace is all that you need. Could we insert our own name there? Can we insert our own pain there? Could we insert our own thorn in the flesh there and ask the Lord not just to take it away, but maybe... Ask him what he would want to say to us and allow him to respond the same way that he responded to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is is all that you need. And my power works best in your lack of understanding, in your want of strength, in your trial, and in your trouble. You want to experience my power? It's not going to come through me magically changing your situation. It's going to come through me being with you in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle. I will be with you and my grace will be enough and my power will show up in that weakness. So now, so now Paul says, I'm not excited. I'm not looking forward to. I'm not trying to just impress you with everything on the outside that would make me look pretty good. I want to remind you, fellow believers, that our strength comes through our own weakness. I cannot do this alone. So now I'm proud to boast in my weakness because when I boast about my weakness, I'm actually highlighting Christ so that the power of Christ can work through me. So so that what you see in me, although there's pain all around me, the pain that you see in me is really opportunity for Christ to show up strong. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles as I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, for when I don't understand, for when I am in want, for when I am facing trials, for when I am facing trouble, that's when I'm actually strong. That's what we have in this life with Christ. As we follow him, We receive strength. And now every single challenge that I face in life, every single rejection, every single feeling of fear that overwhelms me in a moment, every time I can't sleep at night and my mind is racing 100 miles an hour with anxiousness about what's going to happen tomorrow, every time worry tries to come my way, it's an opportunity for me to be strong. It's an opportunity for me to experience salvation and redemption and wholeness and freedom all over again because it's in those moments that I'm actually made strong. Paul talks about this power 
in another book that he wrote to another group of Christians, to another group of believers. And he says, this is my prayer for you. I pray that you, when you are rooted and established in love, what is love? God is love. When you are rooted and established in him in the fullness of his love for you, and when you're not rooted just in circumstance, when we're not just rooted in if everything is going my way, when we're not just rooted in if I get the raise, when we're not just rooted in all of the things in life that I want to be good actually being good, according to me, but when I'm actually rooted in something deeper than that that does not change, that cannot change, that is consistent, that is faithful, when I'm established in that love, it says, I pray that you would have that word again, power. Where do we receive our power? In our weakness. Could it be that the pain we're trying to get rid of, the pain we're trying to just make it through, tough our way through, the pain that we're ignoring, numbing, or resisting, could that be that's the very place that God wants to show up strong and bring us power? Why? Because we're going to need power if we're going to understand. If we're going to be able to grasp something that is outside of ourselves and our own circumstances. I pray that being rooted and established in love, you may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to actually be able to grasp. Wow, what would this be like? To actually be able to grasp God himself in the fullness of his love. And how wide it is how long it is, how high and deep is his love. If there's a statement that I could leave us with from all that we've talked about and we've gleaned from Scripture today, it's this. There's power in the pain. There is power available to you in the pain. The next argument, the next tension the next loss, the next disappointment, the next heartbreak, the next heartache, the next bit of bad news. Could we remind ourselves there's power in that pain? That's why he came to us. The next time that you feel like the psalm writer in Psalm 22, where David penned these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment when you feel like God is nowhere to be found, why are you so far away from saving me? I'm asking you to remove the thorn. I'm asking you to fix the problem, and it seems like you're not even listening to me. You're so far away from my cries of anguish. My God, my God, I cry out to you, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. The next time that we feel in a painful moment like that, could we be reminded there's power in that pain? For those of you that have been around church for any amount of time or attended an Easter service at any point, you no doubt recognize the first line of that psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that Jesus was actually quoting scripture when he hung on the cross and with his final words, his final breaths, he was quoting the psalm writer who said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is it in that moment? Did Jesus himself really believe that his own father forsook him? 
Did he really believe that his own father was not involved in every aspect of that moment? Or could it be that Jesus was quoting the psalm writer to bring all of our pain upon himself in that moment and to make it real to us that he was taking our pain, that even in our moments where we feel like God has forsaken us, that is the very moment where we are closest to the freedom that he has to offer us. As Jesus took his last breath, he said, why have you forsaken me? As I'm taking the pain of the world, as I'm taking the pain of the struggle, I can feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. And yet he said, it is finished. There is strength now available to you because I took your pain, because I took your shame, because I took your heartache. I took everything that you struggle with to show you there is power in your pain. My love is in your pain and you can experience something that you've never experienced before, peace on earth in your own heart and goodwill toward men because I am showing up on the scene and nothing will be the same again. There's opportunity for wholeness. There's opportunity for for freedom. There's opportunity for redemption. There is opportunity for salvation in this life available to us right now in this moment. There is power in the pain. Wow. What good news that is for us this morning. What good news it is that whether you are going through some of the most difficult, challenging days of your life, whether things are okay right now, but maybe next week they won't be, we can be reminded that there's power in that pain. Would you stand with me for a moment? And I'm gonna ask those who are prepared to serve communion to go ahead and make your way forward. But what I would like to do for a moment as we're preparing to receive communion, if we could close our eyes, I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna give us the opportunity to pray for one another. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in this room as family. I thank you that even in the midst of the, of the struggle, even in the midst of the, the difficult times, we can experience life and wholeness and fullness. We can experience love like we've never experienced before. Thank you for how high and how wide and how long and how deep your love is for us. And I pray that every person in this room, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in their life, they might experience an awareness of their own pain and their own struggle so that they could awaken to your love for them. Father, I pray for Every single person in this room who's maybe never, ever accepted you as their Savior, as their Lord, who has never allowed you to be born in their heart like you were that day, where it splits time of our life here on this earth and where everything was hopeless, where everything was lost, today could be a day of new beginnings and new fresh starts. If you're in this room right now and you have not committed your life to Christ, or maybe it's been a while and you've not been walking with him. And so you're not experiencing the good in your life right now because you're not walking with him. Now is the moment for you. Now is the moment for you to come close to him because he's already close to you. Draw near to him in your heart. Draw near to him in your mind. Call out to him because he's with you. He's so close to you. He's standing at the door, as he says. He's standing at the door of your heart and he knocks. All you have to do is come to him with some words that come from your heart. Father, be born in me. Change my life. I need your salvation. I need your restoration. I know I can't do this own. Could you come to a moment in your own heart where you're highly aware of your own pain enough that it leads you to the salvation you're actually looking for? 
Would you ask him? Would you enter into a relationship with him for the first time or maybe once again? For others of you in this room, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable for a minute because if we're going to come to church and not be family, we're not the church. We're together. And so wherever you're standing right now, if you're going through a moment right now of pain and you, you feel some of those things, like I, I don't really understand what I'm going through. I'm not sure my way out. I'm experiencing some trouble and trial. I'm in need of some strength. Could you just raise your hand up for a moment and say, you know what, that's me. I'm dealing with that right now. And if you would, I'm going to ask you to keep your hand up. And for those of you that are around, I want you to find somebody that has their hand up. And I just want you to go over to them, maybe put your arm on the shoulder if they're comfortable with that. Just stand near them. And I just want you to have a moment as we are inviting those to receive communion or maybe you're receiving communion in your own seat. But could you find somebody who has their hand up right now and could you pray with them as a church family this morning? Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can be family. This morning, I want to invite those of you who are maybe not praying with someone, you can go ahead and receive communion and receive it knowing that through his sacrifice and through his overcoming of our trouble in this life, we can experience power in the pain. Would you join me at the table or in your seat to receive communion this morning?